1: Seven eight. That's one eight hundred six five five three five seven eight. Or order online at tryflexiblemirror.com. You are watching Biz TV. People say. of radio's greatest era, live from New York, it's Radio Night Live with Kevin McCullough. Wait, who? Kevin McCullough, let me start with you. Huh? The big dog, Kevin McCullough. And Kevin McCullough. Uh, no. Who?
0: Nationally syndicated radio host and author of No He Can't. Who?
1: Kevin McCullough. Kevin McCullough is a nationally syndicated radio host and author of No He Can't. What? what? A Barack Obama's. man. Well, tonight it is our number two per usual. And what that means is that it is the ladies lounge, a full hour of the ladies lounge tonight. We've got a lot to get to the uh, chairwoman for the GOP, Rona McDaniel, will be with us towards the end of the uh, ladies lounge tonight uh, with an update on all things not related to specifically the coronavirus. But yes, those things still in front of us, the elections uh, down the road. What is What does the Senate look like? What does the House look like? We'll talk with her about that before. that, homeschooling advocate, actress, wife of Hercules, and uh, a talented talk radio show host of her own right, Sam Sorbo, is all on uh, a brand new homeschooling effort that might make your remote home learning stuff a little bit easier, or at least a little bit more manageable. We'll talk with Sam Sorbo uh, coming up about that as well. Now... I'm very excited to start uh, tonight in uh, hour number two with my next guest uh, because she has been with us at every level of her career. She was an intern with Mike Huckabee at Fox News and then she was a Harvard law student and then she was there to the uh, GOP campaign and then ultimately the spokeswoman for the Republican National Convention and, now she, uh, and then she went to the Trump 2020 efforts became spokesperson there and now she is the newly crowned Press Secretary for the 45th President of the United States, Madam Secretary Kayleigh McEnany, thanks for joining us
2: hey kevin thanks so much for having me it's great to join you on my new role
1: i know that you've you've been through a few of these transitions since you've been doing this show i mean i i hope that this show continues to advance you know what, whatever the secret formula is you being <laughs> on with kevin and then you go from harvard to, to rnc to, to trump campaign and now the white house i know you've 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 probably had a lot of uh, whirlwind days recently what's been the biggest adjustment in changing uh, changing digs
2: You know, I guess the pace of it all, it's um, always fast paced, you know, wherever, whenever you're working in the world of um, politics or government, Um, but look, you know, here at the White House, this president, he is um, someone who is is always, you know, all all cylinders are firing in his mind. He's working tirelessly on behalf of the American people um, and trying to do him justice and serving um, his broader goal, which is that of advancing the health and well-being and economic prosperity of the American people. Um, Long hours. It's a lot of fun. He's great to be around. And it's really an honor to work for him. So just trying to keep up with the pace, which I think I'm doing a pretty good job of. And it's an honor each and every day.
1: Well, give it a week, Kaylee. Let's see if we just, you know, the pace, uh, if if your opinion of that changes at some point. But good good job on the start. And congratulations again. Thank you. Let's dig right into uh, the uh, reopening plan. He he launched it yesterday. Uh, I know that he met with the nation's governors prior to that. I'm going to get a governor's perspective on this a little bit later. Governor Mike Huckabee will be with us later in the hour. But um, in terms of what was going on behind those closed doors with those governors, how did they receive it? Um, is it going to be something that the three phases seem sufficient for? What's the best aspects of it? Uh, and, and are, are the, uh, the hopes that are now being kind of kindled in various corners of the country well, well deserved by this, uh, by this announcement?
2: Yeah, so look, you know, I was in that nearly two-hour call um, with the president um, and the governors, and um, it was very well-received, these guidelines um, that the president put forward. Um, these guidelines are firmly embedded in the data. Um, the medical experts are all on board, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, Dr. Redfield. Um, it's a really um, nuanced approach that I think does exactly what the president has always promised. He says, I can do two things at once. I can reopen the Economy and I can protect the health and well being of the American people and that's exactly what this does it's a phased reopening uh, phase one phase two phase three guided by certain um, medical data points that need to be met um, in order to satisfy the, the public health and safety portion that then allow states to take certain steps like for instance sporting events as long as social distancing is worked into the system um, right away at phase one so it's a really good plan and um, you know I'm proud that this president and experts came up with this
1: well and, you know, there, there's been concern because of some of the uh, remarks made last week that uh, the president was going to take unilateral action. I, I have a hard time accepting criticism from the same corner of people that tried to give uh, him a hard time in, in his kind of unilateral decision to begin to respond to the crisis back in January when everybody else was pursuing impeachment, et cetera. But I do love the fact that he has basically said to the governors, I'm a federalist. I'm going to give you the Resources that we have to help, uh, but you have to implement them uh, where you're at. And, and you're, you're going to be better at prioritizing what those things look like than we are.
2: Yeah, exactly right. It is a federalism approach. Uh, the governors will take the lead, and the, the federal government is here to assist. And, um, you know, that's the way it should be. And, and that's the way the president has always seen this. And, and this. You know federal government has taken extraordinary measures I mean in terms of stocking up on ventilators adding them to the stockpile then dispersing them to the states now you have states like New York um, and California and Washington saying we actually have extra ventilators so far from a shortage we have extra that we can now um, send to other states and that's in large part because the federal government stepped up um, and helped where the states had a deficit so you know it's it's great that we're at a moment in time where we can say um, you know we mourn those that we have lost our heart breaks for those we have lost mm-hmm. but not a single person has died for lack of a ventilator and it's great that we can at least say you know this was an unprecedented virus that that hit us um, never before since at least 1917 have we seen anything like this but we can say that it was not for the lack of a a medical supply uh, that someone perished in this country
1: when, when we think about getting the country back to its economic um, stability what are some of the major uh, priorities that the president is most concerned about? Um, and I know that just the general workforce, you know, we're, we're, the unemployment numbers, everything's kind of, you know, all cocky because uh, the, the, the virus threw such a curveball into the middle of what was an otherwise red hot economy. But where do you begin to put the pieces back first uh, in coming back to that economic prosperity?
2: Yeah, you know, I would say that the president is a firm believer um, that there is a lot of pent up demand in this country. And I I know that to be the case as well, that you have, you know, millions of Americans who have been staying home who are anxious, who want to get back out to sporting events, who want to go out um, and and go to a restaurant, who want to get back to work, who want to, you know, get this economy flowing again in terms of of demand. Um, And so this president's a a firm believer that, you know, we will get back to that point. And I would say that this president, um, you know, he is he is. Someone who is uniquely equipped for this moment. Um, he's someone who has the ability to, um, you know, create the hottest economy in modern history. He did it one time, and I firmly believe that that he'll do it again. Um, he got us to historic low unemployment, and I think that um, he will take us to that.
1: Okay, place. I was thinking about that just the other day, and I was saying to myself, if you did not have all of that deregulation, you know, those two those two thousand plus regulations that were undone uh, prior to COVID hitting, uh, you would not have uh, an economy ready ready to, to fire up again, but you can. We, we're we actually the best prepared, entrepreneurial, forward looking, uh, economic uh, kind of uh, uh, outlook of any of any country on earth right now. And I just think it's a matter of time uh, getting people back. Along those lines, let me ask you about this. Uh, China has been a problem. There's no doubt about it in all of this. The, the president campaigned reminding us that China had ch- often cheated uh, the U.S. He has changed his tone uh, on Uh, both China and the WHO's response uh, since January when more information became available. What is the White House's perspective of how we deal with China moving forward?
2: Well, look, um, you know, this president, if you look at the actions that he has taken against China, you know, he was the president who stood up to China, who said it's um, we have this massive trade deficit that needs to be rectified. He got the phase one China deal, which is a big win and and, uh, will essentially ensure that China buys a lot of U.S. product and and farming and agriculture products as well. So this is a president whose actions have repeatedly stood up to China and no better example than the latest um, pooling of WHO funding, you know, him saying um, you guys were China had a China bias every step of the way you know when Taiwan was saying that this virus has human-to-human transmission the WHO was not sharing that information when Wuhan scientists were saying the same the WHO wasn't sharing that information so this president has halted the funding when you look at his actions um he has been unmistakably tough um when it comes to standing up to China on the economic plane and then uh, now most recently with this WHO situation uh, but you know this president wants full transparency from China um, He said that before the secretary of state said that. And I think
1: that's the place we're at at the moment. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting. He's going to have his hands full dealing with Congress, uh, obviously, when all of this uh, simmers down. But certainly the nation's governors have seen a a, a bipartisan uh, Republican uh, do the job that he's supposed to do as president. And Kaylee, it's really exciting to see uh, how you have continued to just uh, excel at every level. This new position, I'm just so thrilled for you. And thank you for not forgetting we, the little people. When you got to your to your big gig at the White House
3: 68751 or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code KMC
1: all right it's radio night live and very excited um not only to have you with us and for us to be able to provide the kind of uh, makeshift coverage we've been able to for the last four weeks i really think it's on par with the very best coverage of the crisis that anybody has prepared uh, for you uh, throughout the last month and a half um, but I'm also in immensely proud of my team. And I uh, just found out this week that uh, my uh, head of operations for Extreme Media, Ivan Quinones, has become not only a published author, but a well-reviewed, successful children's author at Amazon.com. And Magnificent Ian is something I would love for you to go over and take a look at. I'll get Ivan on. We'll talk about it. Uh, but it's a, it's a kid's book. It tells of the adventure of a young man and uh, I and and his uh, his adventures uh, through his his real life and his bunk bed. Well. <laughs> Just go check it out. Amazon.com, Magnificent Ian, and congratulations to Ivan and really my whole team uh, for holding up so well during this. Uh, It is very important uh, to give you options on all things that have related to your life during this coronavirus um, season and the education of your children no different. Okay, with all of the uh, medical news, with all of the financial news, with all of the economic and even to some degree uh, cultural news that we have been uh, on top of, over the last few days one of the areas that we have had a little bit more interest in than uh, usual is uh, specifically home education uh, because so many are now uh, by necessity doing remote learning and uh, it is either been decided that your your school district will continue to do it on an indefinite basis which may not mean all the way to the end of this school year but it might and many schools across the country have just been simply closed in fact in uh, lots of states across the country I've already seen uh, this, the, the game's been called for the rest of the school year. Having said that, <clears throat> someone who cares about this is an um, uh, actress and uh, film producer, and uh, she's also married to an actor and a film producer, and, a, and they are uh, writers and developers of independent projects. But she's also been taking on this homeschooling thing on her own, and she returns to Kevin McCullough Radio. Sam Sorbo, uh, welcome back. Always good to have you. Thanks for being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me. You know, I've been a homeschool advocate for over 10 years now and uh, doing it with my own kids, home, home education, that is. And so I saw this whole thing as basically an opportunity um, in the sense that, that, and not to discount the tragic, uh, the, the, the tragedy of this all, but it's also an opportunity for parents to, to test drive, if you will, home education for yeah. their families. And so my message has always been it's not as difficult as you think. And it's more rewarding than you could ever dream. And uh, and now they have an opportunity to try it for themselves
1: because the schools are closed. Right. Well, Sam, let me put that right up against, and thanks for taking the time to be with us, let me put that right up against uh, what uh, Carol Markowitz of the New York Post uh, wrote about last week, which is basically uh, the the schools and and the intensity with which they have put everything uh, into in terms of uh, making sure that uh, nothing gets dropped and nothing gets uh, missed. Uh, They've in some ways made it so much harder than she thinks it should be, uh, and she, she she basically advocated, she said, if I was just doing schooling on my own, uh, I'd probably be doing about half the level of, of actual, um, you know, things that are required of the students on a daily basis, and let me give you a snapshot of the McCullough home. We have three under 10, uh, three different logins, three different schools, three different sets of criteria for each one. Uh, the 10-year-old oh is able to basically <laughs> self Administrate his day-to-day assignments, but the seven-year-old needs a lot of, you know, hand-holding right there by his side, and the and the pre-K that the TK four-year-old is uh, generally. Not as much of a, of a hassle as either, but I can only imagine if that's what it is for us for other families that, uh, you know, especially ones where parents have been working and you don't have a mother at home or a dad at home, uh, it's got to be intimidating, at least at the very beginning. So what are some things that you're coming up with that you think might help some of these parents not just think they're crazy? Well, first
0: of all, I mean, it is a tremendous upheaval for all of us, even as homeschoolers, you know, we're no longer doing the things that we were doing that you would term extracurricular, for instance. Right. Um, And so for everybody, right? But at the same time, so I partnered with THSC, which is the Texas Homeschool Coalition. Right. And they've got 30 plus years of experience in home education. And we put together coronavirushomeschooling.com, coronavirushomeschooling.com, which is a website where you can download daily curriculum and so it right now it's K through 5 we're working on getting 6 through 12 on there but for K through 5 and like you're perfect for this Kevin your whole family uh, it's one-stop shopping and you get in your in your inbox an email every day with a full day's agenda including schedules and projects and you know craft things to do games to play with your kids as well as all the academics now what I suggest is if you've got stuff that's coming home from the schools you can you can compare and contrast when when are we ever invited to compare educational wow systems, that's know? a real good and point it, yeah initially the states were each supposed to be their own laboratories but now with common core which is designed to make everything equal the problem with that is w- w- define equal is it equal at the top no it's equal at the bottom And so the United States is 27th in the world right now. We're ranked 27th for education. And that's after spending. We're second in the world in per student spending. But we're 27th in the world for outcomes. And yet homeschooled children score on average 30 to 35 percent better on achievement tests the the marker for high performance for academics for children is parental involvement well if parental involvement is what it is then maybe homeschooling is the best choice for academics
1: well, and given that, and this is something, and you know, I'm a, a free economy advocate, and I, you know, I love the idea of individual risk and responsibility, and all of that good stuff that you and I have talked about in the past. But I, I do honestly think that at the end of this, because we're what three weeks into this thing now, and for some Californians, for example, you know, not going back the rest of the year, I think right. there is, I think there's going to be. And I don't see it happening until really the health crisis is conquered. But once it is, I think there's going to be a lot of people asking questions about, well, why are we spending that amount on education that comes up with those low results? And as they have a chance to, whether it is doing the remote learning from the.
0: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: school itself or whether they've uh, done a hybrid or they've taken something else on or they've gone to coronavirus and tried the uh, plan that you're suggesting. I think there's going to be uh, a, maybe a lot of people saying, you know what, we, we should expect more and we should be getting more. And if that means we could do that in our home, then we'll do that in our home. And I think one thing that's going to be um, undebated at that point is that uh, parents, no matter who they are, can actually do this. Uh, because in the past, they've been argued. It's always been argued by the educational unions. Oh, well, you need teachers to be able to to homeschool your kids. Well, what if what if that ends up being a big lie? And it could be. Uh, maybe maybe the uh, I don't know secret credential. Doesn't matter as much as it used to. A lot of parents are having to fight that very real battle. Sam Sorbo, stay right there when we come back. More uh, coronavirus. Um, that's 1 800 612 7496. Or you can order online at taxhaver.com. You are watching Biz TV.
3: 468-751 or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code KMC.
1: And welcome back. It's Radio Night Live. We're speaking with uh, Sam Sorbo, who is um, an actress and talk show host and author and homeschooling mom. And she's married to Hercules. And uh, <laughs> uh, she's she's been a film producer as well. And uh, a lot of projects that we've uh, talked with her about in the past. But this is really a passion of hers, and she wants to make sure that you have the tools that you need. Now, let me let me throw you a curveball here. I, although I doubt there's any curveball for a homeschooling mom as accomplished as, <laughs> as you. Um... <laughs> Now that you do have all of the extracurriculars uh, also in lockdown, so for example, in our house we have the ballet class is not going, the Taekwondo dojo is not going, Um, you know, even the gym that my bride and I go and do yoga at, you know, we're having to connect with our yoga instructors and say, can you do something through Instagram, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, How have you taken on the accomplishing of the extracurriculars, be it music lessons or sports or anything else that uh, the Sorbo kids had been uh, doing previous? Uh,
0: you know what? It- <laughs> We don't do a lot, frankly. Okay. Uh, my kids, my kids are self-taught on piano, so they had lessons for many years, and we just recently moved, and we haven't found a new piano teacher. So, for us personally, uh, it's it's more the social stuff that we've had to curtail, which is you know a, a little bit of a hardship. Sure. But you know, I see this. It's a it's a limited time offer, right? It's only for a limited time, and so we, we just sort of keep our eyes on the prize. What I will say to you, you intimated that you thought that maybe parents were going to start questioning sort of the status quo. And, you know, I wrote a book called *There are Your Kids, an inspirational journey from self-doubter to homeschool advocate, because I was a tremendous self-doubter. I know that parents today are in very much self-doubt, and I know the reason. And the reason is because they've been taught... they've been taught that education happens in a classroom and with a teacher at a blackboard, and they're afraid that they can't be the teacher at the blackboard. But if you graduated high school, and frankly, even if you didn't, um, why do you feel incompetent to teaching a fourth grader? This is this is incredible to me. Uh, you, you need a little bit of math, a little bit of writing. You need you need to know your alphabet. Come on, it's not rocket science. It's fourth grade. And if for some reason, okay, talk to me about algebra. A lot of people struggle with algebra. I gotta tell you something that that they that they keep a secret. But the answers are actually in the textbooks. So you just need a good enough textbook, and then. The other thing that, you know, somebody said to me, well, what if I don't understand it? I said, well, then you ask your child to explain it to you because they will understand <laughs> it from the textbook faster than you will. <laughs> so the idea with home education is that you become the lead learner. So you shouldn't know everything. What you need to do is exhibit a desire to learn to your child because your child right. has a desire to learn. They have an innate curiosity that, frankly, is kind of beaten out of them in the system. But all you have to do is exhibit that that, and and cultivate that desire in them, right? And show them where to go find the information with the Internet. Everything's at our disposal. Now, do I think that parents are going to wake up and and start questioning how the system works against them? Um, Sadly, no, because we've been taught not to question the system. In fact, every time that I criticize this system and I'm always criticizing the system, people come after me for criticizing teachers. I don't criticize teachers. I think teachers are victims that they're trying to do the very best that they can within a system that has been corrupted the system is broken and look i'm not the one saying it the results are we're 27th in the world the results are people say hey the system's broken we need to fix it and so what do we do we implement common core which was the ninth overhaul of our public education system in less than 30 years each one is purporting to be the fix-it and none of them fixing the problem. In fact, test scores are worse under Common Core now than they were before it was implemented. And by the way, yes, it was implemented without testing it to see if it would be effective. So, uh, you know, and that, how, how scientific is that? to just throw an answer at something that you don't have to see if it actually will address the problem.
1: Yeah, the very thing that they're they're saying is keeping them from issuing uh, the use for uh, therapies that may be quite effective is the very thing that they use to protect the educational uh, philosophy. So uh, it, is, it is quite interesting, uh, Sam, that you brought that up. Well, I, I hope that uh, people find this helpful and friends, if you want more information, uh, go to the website, coronavirushomeschooling.com, coronavirus virushomeschooling.com, and uh, just check it out and it, like Sam was saying if, if you think that uh, you, you don't know if you want to make the switch compare what you're getting from the school right. that you're doing compare to what they're doing see for yourself if it makes more sense and then uh, go accordingly but but uh, at least and give yourself the op- opportunity yeah go ahead
0: yeah please please do and tell them they can go to my website also samsorbo.com and you can email me there with questions and I have a ton of videos up to help you on your way, to reassure you. uh, Believe me, I took this journey myself. When I started homeschooling, I did not think that I was capable. I just figured that
1: I that if I failed, I... I- ...times the liposine for just twenty nine ninety five. Plus, you'll get metabo Plus to help boost your energy and metabolism. But you must call. Call 1-800-770- 8567. 800-770- 8567. That's 800-770- 8567.
3: ...5-1 or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code KMC.
1: You're listening to Radio Nye Live, live from New York. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. You know, one of the things as we have uh, delved specifically and kind of uh, targetedly over the last uh, six weeks uh, into the coronavirus itself, uh, we have lost track, at least some of us in the public space, as to what's going on behind the scenes. And if you do have one eye peel to Washington, D.C., uh, and because of my limited time, I just haven't had the bandwidth to do everything all the time. There, There is a lot of chess being played. There's a lot of uh, stuff being done that uh, the taxpayers of America need to know about. And how does that impact us? Coming into an election cycle where when we eventually do reopen, I suspect the campaign will kick back into high gear. I think right now, Joe Biden's kind of like halfway satisfied that he doesn't have to be out anywhere on a regular basis uh, defending things. But let's get some perspective on this. And uh, joining us is the chairperson for the GOP, Rona McDaniel, who is uh, all over cable uh, television. And uh, she's doing a great job, at least as far as I can tell. And uh, good to have her back on the broadcast. Uh, Rona, welcome. Kevin McCullough, good to have you.
3: Great to be with you, Kevin. Always good to talk to somebody who's paying attention to (laughs) what's happening and the chess chess moves being made. Uh, by the Democrats. During well, let's this, uh,
1: let's talk time. about it on different levels. Let's start with the top of the ticket. Um, since you and I spoke last time, uh, the president and Joe Biden have now been clearly identified as the two that will go head-to-head come November. Um, but, Rona, I keep posting on Twitter regularly clips that are pulled from cable television, and I just label them the same. This man can't speak. He really has difficulty making himself clear when trying to get outside sometimes the most simplest ideas. So what do you anticipate uh, in, in a matchup between Donald Trump and Joe Biden when it comes to just talking to the voters?
3: Well, I, I think those debates will be incredibly informative to see the president against Joe Biden. And I agree with you. It is disconcerting to see these uh, these briefings that Joe Biden is putting forward, these counter briefings, and he's rested. He's obviously not on the campaign trail. But he's not uh, coherent with his plans, his policies, calling on the president to enact things that he's already enacted, switching his position on where he was on the president's so important uh, ban on travel from China, which was integral in preventing the spread of coronavirus. And I think getting them in the debate and seeing them head to head is gonna be very important for the American people.
1: Well, and not to pick on, uh, to pick on poor Joe, uh, but your point about him doing these briefings is is well taken because they're not a debate. It is not on a stage with seven other contenders or 15 other contenders. There is no hostile interviewer that's coming at him for these things. These are his own ideas that he's having trouble formulating articulation about.
3: Yeah, I mean, you look at the president every day he goes into his briefings to inform the American people about where we stand with coronavirus, and he faces a hostile media. I mean, Jim Acosta can't wait for his moment to attack the president, and he's basically in a debate every single day, and Joe Biden hasn't taken a tough interview. And beyond that, he hasn't been pressed on a lot of his stances with regards to China. And I think that's gonna be a key pivotal uh, point for the voters in November is to who's gonna be tough on China going forward. And President Trump has a track record Uh, better than anybody Uh, early on as a candidate, he said, it is a national security issue that we have so much of our supply chain in China. We need to stop that. And he took decisive action as president.
1: Rona, should anybody read into it why Barack Obama took so long to endorse uh, basically the only candidate left standing?
3: I I mean, it's almost pathetic that it took 20 candidates to leave the race for Barack Obama to finally endorse his own vice president. And I think that's really uh, sad for Joe Biden. I think it speaks volumes as to where Barack Obama was during this whole process he was kind of in the anyone but Joe camp for a long time, even when it was Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, he still didn't endorse. So um, and then they they rolled it out in a week when it wasn't going to get a lot of press and it wasn't the most full throated endorsement. So uh, I think that speaks volumes. I mean, somebody who knew Joe Biden well worked side by side with him for eight years to not come out and give a wholehearted endorsement of his former vice president. Is concerning.
1: Yeah, um, let's let's shift gears. Uh, wh- what do we look like in the Senate going into November?
3: So the Republicans have a lot of seats that we have to hold in the Senate. Uh, we have, of course, a three seat majority. Our best pickup opportunity is going to be Alabama, uh, the Doug Jones seat, and we also have, I'd say, Michigan is a really good opportunity. John James just outraised. Gary Peters and there are other seats out there so I'm not going to diss that and then we have to keep the Arizona McSally seat Colorado North Carolina and Maine
1: and how are we looking in those areas at this time (laughs)
3: So it's all tight right now. I think, you know, voters are not as dialed into the election, understandably, right now. So for us, it's.
1: Okay, let me shift. Um, let me change the, the intent sure. of that then. Does the president's performance currently bode well for those tight races?
3: It does. It does. And the strength of the RNC heading into this, the fact that we had staff on the ground that were registering voters. And right now, a lot of what we're doing is taking up legal challenges because you are seeing Democrats across the country trying to derail safeguards that maintain election integrity in many many states so right. we are involved in legal battles
2: everywhere
1: the the vote by choice the hold your finger up in the air and vote in the wind mm-hmm. uh the uh, scratch your uh, earlobe with your elbow vote that kind of stuff
3: yeah i mean get rid of um signature matching to yeah. make sure that well, the
1: signature on the who ballot. needs id the signature. Who, who needs yeah, a who signature needs ID. Id you know you only yeah. have to have that to go Anywhere, but. (laughs) And you know, I was thinking about this just last week. You know, uh, we are so concerned about um, everything from finger touch to uh, breath that's not captured by masks and everything else. You you would think that the protection of the sovereignty of our ballot would be one of the most holy, sacred things that both parties would want to cherish. I, I'm sad to say this, friends. I don't think in this time, even in this coronavirus season, where we've experienced a lot of loss and and pain and, and everything else, that, that I, I'm sad to say I don't think both parties care about that equally. Anyway, we continue with Rona McDaniel for just a few more minutes tonight. I'm Kevin McCullough. Thank you for being with us on Radio Night Live. And uh, be looking for my feature tomorrow in Town Hall, the herd immunity. What does it mean? Result.
0: So when you heat heater, oven, or a fridge, throw in the towel, call Choice Home Warranty, and for about a dollar a day, never pay for covered home
2: repairs again.
1: Call right now for your free quote and will include your first month free. Call 800-491-4738. Can't touch your precious metals and you have peace of mind. Call Landmark today, 844-604-2575. Kevin McCullough, glad you're with us. Uh, I I just want to say a big thank you to everybody that has made the Radio Night Live broadcast possible during this uh, lockdown season. Uh, It is the combined staffs of Kevin McCullough Radio and Radio Night Live that have worked hard to bring all of this together. We have had the very best guests that you have found anywhere uh, commenting on the most important issues. Uh, And uh, tonight is no less from the press secretary of the White House uh, to maybe America's leading homeschool advocate to uh, Rona McDaniel, who's uh, getting ready for that election come hell or high water this fall. And uh, Lady Rona, just uh, one we were talking about Uh, those those frauds that could be committed. Give me another example.
3: Let people go ballot harvest so we can go door to door when we're in lockdown and pick up people's ballots for them. It's a paid operative. You're you're losing control of your ballot, giving it in the hands of somebody else. There's so many things that they're pushing that really are frightening for our country long
1: term. Well, I'm glad you guys are fighting that fight. Let me let me shift gears to what I and by the way, I do think the president matches up well with Joe. I think that uh, the, I think we will hold the Senate. And I do think that the president at the top of the ticket helps that a lot. Um, the, the place where it may be cloudiest, at least in, in my own feeling about this, is the House. And. And um, I, again, I think a lot of it depends on where the economy is and where the president has been able to get the economy back to by that time. But if you were to look and kind of thumbnail the House right now, where do we stand?
3: You know, I feel really good about the House. We need 18 seats to win back the majority. We have a special election on, on May 12th in California in, with a great candidate in Mike Garcia. We also have a special in Wisconsin. Uh, But I got to give credit to Kevin McCarthy and the House. They recruited stellar candidates. You know, I always say this. If if the candidate's not good, you're not going to win the race. I don't care how much get out the vote you have. If the candidate doesn't have a message that resonates and isn't out there working hard, there's nothing a party or an organization can do to get them across the finish line. And the candidates that Kevin McCarthy has recruited and his team are just stellar. Wesley Hunt... Uh, Michelle Michelle Steele young Kim I mean the list goes on and on and on of great candidates across the country
1: and if and if um, if you do turn Jersey if you do turn four or five seats in Jersey that's gonna be a good night across the board I think for Republicans and I think that it's possible i I, I'm not saying it's guaranteed but I think that there is uh, the possibility that that could happen Um,
3: there are absolutely seats we can win back in Jersey Yeah.
1: Rona McDaniel the last question how's fundraising going
3: So fundraising has actually been very strong at the small
2: dollar level.
3: I I actually talked to the president about it last night. We've seen so much enthusiasm. We've actually added 300,000 new volunteers during this pandemic and the support for him continues to grow online. Obviously the major events where we flew the president in and had kind of the bigger dollar fundraisers, those are halted for now. Uh, But I feel very good about where we are considering the state of the country and so many people are hurting they definitely want to see this president re-elected to build back our economy
1: yeah. what are you doing judy was boring hello then judy discovered
0: chumbacasino.com
2: it's my little escape
0: now judy's the life of the party
2: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
1: whoa take it easy judy